0: Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert who didn't finish not being evil, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar
1: chock full of sanity, Noelle LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Same Time, Same Place, the third episode of season seven. Same Time, Same Place aired on October 8th, 2002, and was written by Jane Espenson and directed by James A. Cotner.
0: Still Pretty is a fully spoiled full spectrum Buffy podcast. So if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that and we'll just sit here and play with your comically paralyzed sister.
1: This isn't going to get all sexy, is it? Let's go on patrol.
0: Oh, it's totally going to get sexy. <laughs> it did get a little sexy.
1: same time, same place, Buffy, Xander, and Dawn wait for Willow to get off a plane, but Willow isn't there. Hard cut and we go back in time and see the same deplaning only this time Willow gets off the plane, but no one is there to greet her, huh? Outside at night, a dude is spray painting a construction site when a creepy voice taunts him, then screams and attacks. Willow comes home to an empty house and goes back into the room she shared with Tara, flashing back to Tara's death. She hears the front door close, drops the address book she was looking at, and rushes downstairs, but nobody's there. She curls up on the couch alone. At the same time, we see Buffy, Dawn, and Xander come into the house, trying to figure out what happened to Willow. Xander shuts the front door, and they hear the address book drop, but when they go upstairs, no Willow. Buffy reports that Giles is feeling responsible, and Dawn makes a good point. Everyone's blaming themselves, But is anyone going to hold Willow responsible? We can only be here for her so much if she won't be, you know,
0: here. We see them fade away on the couch and Willow fades in, sleeping where they were sitting. She wakes up and looks around at the empty house, then calls for Giles, but he's not available. Willow goes to the magic box and sees Anya, who is clearing out rubble from the store and has no mixed feelings about seeing Willow again. What are
1: you doing here? I thought you were with Giles studying how to not kill people.
0: Willow apologizes, and when she doesn't resist Anya's anger, Anya gets bored and sits down to chat. Willow asks about Buffy, Dawn, and Xander, and Anya says they must still be mad at Willow. Anya brings Willow up to date on what's been going on, including Spike being insane in the school basement and Xander working at a new construction site. Willow goes to find Xander at the site, but instead discovers the body of the spray-painting kid who had been skinned alive properly by someone who didn't leave the kid's damn pants on. Sorry, not the point. I know. I know. Hard cut, Buffy and Xander are in the same place looking at the kids, and they jump to conclusions.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you're thinking. Maybe Willow is back. Willow shows up at the high school and wanders the halls, heading for the basement. She finds Spike ranting and saying things that don't make sense until we hard cut and find out he's talking to both Willow and Buffy and Xander, but they're not talking to each other. Spike figures it out. Someone isn't there.
0: Button, button, who's got the button? My money's on the witch. Red's a bad Go.
1: Willow shows up at Anya's place and tells her about the flayed boy. Both Anya and Willow think the other one did it. And on both sides, fair enough. Willow wants to find the killer to prove it wasn't her. She asks Anya to help her.
0: Is it difficult or time-consuming? Anya and Willow do a spell to find demons on the Sunnydale map. They find a demon hiding in the woods, or maybe a cave. Willow asks Anya to teleport there and check it out. But Anya says she got in trouble for reversing the giant worm spell and can only teleport now for official business. Anya laments that the Vengeance game isn't as rewarding as it once was, and Willow talks about the power of, well, power. And they have a moment. did get a little sexy, didn't it?
1: Willow rushes out to check out the monster, and back at home, Dawn is researching like a badass, putting all the details into the DemonsDemonsDemons.com database to find the killer. Buffy's worried that they're spending a lot of time trying to find a demon that doesn't exist. When they know who did this, it has to be Willow. Dawn, however, in all her researchy badassery, gets a hit. A demon named Gnarl, who Dawn gleefully reports paralyzes his victims with a secretion and then peels off their skin in strips and eats it, then laps up the blood. You could
0: say it's like his natural beverage. You're terrifying. They recruit Spike to track the traces of blood through the forest. He brings them to a cave, and we cut to see Willow crawling inside, checking things out. The monster Gnarl skitters past her and taunts her for being all alone. Buffy, Dawn, and Xander go inside and hear Gnarl too. He rushes out and slashes Dawn with his claws, paralyzing her. Buffy and Xander take Dawn out and then put rocks over the opening, sealing the monster in with Willow. Willow tries to cast a spell, but Gnarl says spells don't work on him. He continues to taunt Willow, saying her friends left her behind for him as he slices and paralyzes her. Then peels and eats strips of skin off her torso. Ugh! They sealed you in with me.
1: I love a gift. Buffy and Xander bring a paralyzed Dawn back to the house and promise she'll be okay. Buffy goes to the computer and discovers the paralysis is permanent until the creature dies. They have to go back to the cave. They call Anya in to watch over Dawn, who tells Xander and Buffy that she saw Willow. And the last time she saw Willow, she was heading out to the cave to track the demon. Wouldn't it be tragic if you were here being kind of silly with your comically paralyzed
0: sister while Willow was dying? Xander and Buffy take Anya with them to the cave to save Willow, leaving Dawn on the couch. In the cave, Gnarl is feeding on Willow while Buffy, Anya, and Xander rush in and attack. Anya can see everyone, but Buffy and Xander and Willow still can't see each other. Anya tells Willow that Buffy and Xander are there, and Willow realizes that they did not abandon her. Buffy kills Gnarl by sticking her thumbs in its eyes, and then Willow can move again. Buffy and Xander rush to Willow's side, and Anya leaves to get help. Willow reappears on the cave floor, and everyone reunites. Willow's hurt pretty bad, but she smiles as Buffy and Xander kneel beside her.
1: It's gonna be okay, Willow.
0: You're gonna be okay. I
1: know.
0: You're here. At home the next day, Willow sits on the bed drawing power from the earth to heal herself. Buffy sits with her. Willow says that the invisibility spell was her, not deliberately, but it came from her fear of seeing them all again. Willow's tired, but she's in too much pain not to try to heal herself some more. Buffy takes both of Willow's hands and hers, saying that Willow can borrow her strength. They sit in silence, holding hands, healing together. Oh my god. <laughs> I love that scene. All right. Oh, my God. So here we are. Same time, same place. I'm going to go ahead and put my cards on the table. I love this episode so much.
1: I love it, too. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. So good. It's a great Monster of the Week episode with a monster that is truly monstrous. Mm -hmm. But there's also so much really lovely and compelling mental health stuff going on and relationship stuff. And I can't get enough of Willow and Anya.
0: Willow and Anya are kind of the surprise pairing. They're so good together. They're so fun. Their personalities meld really well. Once Xander's out from in between them. I mean, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love this episode. I think it's one of the best episodes of the entire series, let alone season seven. Um, And it is, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier when we started season seven is that Buffy is getting truly horrific. Like it is now legit a horror show. And despite the fact that I don't like horror, like, I really like it. I mean, they do this absolutely correctly. They keep Gnarl in the shadows, which is always the best call. The imagination of your reader is always way more powerful than your special effects or latex game. Uh, The sound design is your most powerful weapon in horror is completely on point. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. If you look away, it's worse than if you're watching. Um, There's that lovely contrasting balance between, like, the humor Um, and the warm, fuzzy feelings, the deep thematic elements and all of that horror and that lovely balance, which, of course, you know, I think we can look to Jane Espenson as being a master of her game. You know, this makes it one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. I love this episode.
1: It is so, so good. And it kind of makes me want an entire series of Buffy that is just written by Jane Espenson because I had so much in my notes that was just... Oh, this line is great, and this line is great, yeah. and this whole scene is great, and the way that these mm-hmm. characters talk to each other is great. Like, it's so good. It's so good. And it's so good, it like, is... everywhere. Thematically, it's good. <laughs> Metaphorically, it's good. It's good. I love it. I love it. I love it's it. It's
0: really, really good. And here we are revisiting, once again, Invisibility. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. really
1: kind of great. Like, I'm surprised it works as well as it does, because if you said... You know, we're going to do invisibility again. I'd be like, "Uh, we kind of did that already Um, because we've had invisibility be something that happens to a person, right? As a result of neglect and as the result of the carelessness and entitlement of others. Mm -hmm. But both times it's someone else's fault. And I love the twist here that Willow's mental and emotional state creates her invisibility. And that she's Mm -hmm. not only invisible to her friends, but they're not visible to her either. And I'm calling it invisibility, but really, it's much more about, you know, what it says on the label, right? Willow Mm -hmm. and her friends both exist, and they experience the same time, same place, but not together.
0: Right.
1: Like, Marcy's invisibility way back in season one, in Out of Mind, Out of Sight, this is about isolation, But specifically the feelings of isolation and disconnect that come from being or feeling misunderstood or misrepresented. Mm -hmm. And it's there right from the start, which I love so much. The first line of dialogue from a member of the core cast is Xander's, thinks she will get the sign. Mm -hmm. In other words, do you think Willow will understand that the yellow crayon writing is meant as a gesture of love and connection that is personal and meaningful to both of us? (laughs) And then Buffy says, get the sign. I don't think she's going to see the sign. You can't Mm -hmm. understand a loving gesture that you can't access. The metaphor is solid right from the start.
0: Yeah, I would say out of the invisibility episodes that we've had, I mean, I think that Marcy's was a pretty solid metaphor. And we have the metaphor manifesting, which I think is really nice. Um, gone was a little bit muddied. Um, but this, you know, we're doing invisibility a little different um, because it is it is really about having two realities that that fail to be shared. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, it's that lack of connection. It's not just that they can't see each other, but they sit where Willow is. Like yeah. they're physically in the same space, um, but they cannot see, feel, hear, anything each other. yeah um, and so this is different from the way that we've done invisibility before. I think out of all of them, it's more than just invisibility, and it really has to do with um, you know with with looking at uh you know that, that metaphor, you know yeah. that, that sad, fearful metaphor, which I really liked.
1: Well, and so much of what we project to the world isn't conscious or deliberate, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't shape how others see us or don't see us. And thoughts and emotions sh- do shape our realities, right? Oh,
0: they are our realities. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: before I slide down a slippery slope, I'm not suggesting that we can think our way out of things like systemic oppression or widespread bias I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the way anxiety and depression tell me that my friends don't actually like me or want to see me and that no one is really there for me. When Willow tests, when Willow does the spell um, off camera to find Xander and Buffy, she says Mm -hmm. the the spell didn't work. It says they don't exist. And when you have that sense of, you know, real fear and doubt, you know, that that the the lie that your anxiety mm-hmm. or depression will tell you is that no one is there to help mm-hmm. me. No one is there to connect with me. So when you add Willow's magical ability to this mm-hmm. kind of mental emotional experience and you make the our emotions shape how others see us and how we see them thing literal, it's just delightful,
0: It's so incredibly good. And I love what you had to say, too, about like, you know, we can't think our way out of systemic oppression or widespread bias. Those are shared realities. We understand that those exist. However, depending on the type of reality that you decide you want to believe in, you can, you know, deliberately not see those things, right? Those things exist, Mm -hmm. but you won't see them because you don't want to. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's like where this where thinking actually does shape the reality in which we live. And the more diluted that thinking is, the more out of line it is with actual shared confirmed reality, you know, through through the group experience. Right. That's what you know, what's real. Right. Because other people can also see and feel it and hear it and think it and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. They can also perceive it. Um That, I think, is the power of us to to be able to delude ourselves into only seeing what we want to see, I think, is really incredibly powerful. Um, And the metaphor here, you know, I like the way that they they build that metaphor, you know, based on Willow's fear that she will not be forgiven, that as soon as they see her. You know, as soon as they're in the same place, she's going to get the answer to a question she's not sure she wants to ask, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, I mean, this story I see is a story about longing. It's about sadness. It's about regret. It's about redemption. It's about forgiveness. I mean, these are crunchy things to work with. And when you wrap that up into this fearful metaphor, you know, um, I think it's really nice. The metaphors in Buffy episodes are like often packed into the monster, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case this week. I mean, this monster... Is just, I mean, it's incredibly well done. We're going to talk about Gnarl because <laughs> like, my skin is wait. still crawling. Um, but this is the monster is just a monster, you know? I mean, maybe there's something in the peeling of the skin or whatever, but yeah. I can't think about it long enough to like really go anywhere with that because ugh, but yeah. the, the metaphor, I think, is really in the spell. Like it's just fear and it's the fear of not being forgiven, you know, because once she goes back, once she sees them, once she connects with them, that's when she finds out Mm
1: -hmm. whether or
0: not they're going to forgive her and her fear that they won't, you know, becomes manifest when she can't see them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I actually think that Gnarl as a monster works with the metaphor, sort of alongside Mm -hmm. the metaphor, because Gnarl's first line is all alone. And Gnarl yeah. is all about getting its victims. Getting its victims alone. Alo- yeah, yeah a- alone. Mm, so
0: That's really interesting. I
1: mean, if, okay, if you're going to do a, a monster of the week that is, all right, we just have to have a monster. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to, it wouldn't have to be a monster who gets people alone. But
0: yeah. I don't know. But this know. one does. I think if I think it harmonizes definitely. There I don't, I don't know that it necessarily. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that it necessarily um, extends the metaphor, but it definitely harmonizes. You know, we have him. You know, your friends are alone. Your left friends you left me. you. Yeah,
1: and of course, Gnarl can see everyone
0: because mm-hmm.
1: magic doesn't work on Gnarl.
0: Actually, we'll get magic into work on yeah. how how this spell works. Um, who can minute. see and who cannot? Yep. I find that really interesting yeah, too. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Um it's it's very, very cool. But um I I love too how grace and forgiveness end up being the thing that ends the spell, you know. Yeah. Um everyone shows up for Willow. Everyone is there, you know. Xander shows up the most. Um, he doesn't think it's willow flame people, although, you know, as we say in the end, he thought it a little. Yeah. But he doesn't have to I say love. it. Like Buffy has to say it, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I love um, that. I love that he's there with the yellow crayon sign. I love that it's not it's not just that he's there to pick her up at the airport. It's not just that he's showing up for her, but that he's spending his time finding a yellow crayon, creating a sign that is unreadable and yet a metaphor for how much he loves her. It's
1: so good. It's so, good. It's the so most good.
0: adorable thing, you know, Um, and they're all nervous. You know, Dawn is the one who like tends to she's kind of our Cordelia. You know, our our yeah. truth teller, the one who calls out the uncomfortable, isn't somebody going to hold Willow responsible? Like, don't we need to have this discussion? Dawn is sliding into that role. And I think really, really nicely. Yeah. Um, so metaphorically, I think that this um, this is working beautifully. It reminds me of the kind of high impact emotional beats that we got in season two and season three of Buffy. Um, you know, it's been a while. Well, I guess it hasn't been that long because Tara, I was going to say, it's been a while since I've really cried in Buffy. <laughs> but This episode makes me cry, you know. Oh, hi. Um, it's so, I love it so much. Um, where the metaphor serves, though, on even in a deeper layer is this idea of conflicting realities in which people simply cannot understand each other, you know? And then we've got these two people who are less invested, right? Spike and Anya. They they live in the bridge between, they are the connective tissue between these realities because nobody cares what they think. And yeah. they're not worried about what anybody else thinks, you know? Um, but the actual reality that Buffy, Xander, and Dawn would of course forgive Willow and want her back and that Willow wouldn't flay a man just for kicks. As we all know, Willow's MO is leave the pants on, right? You know? <laughs> Not Gnarl's MO. Um, nope. But that's where we end up at the end when everybody is able to share the same emotional reality, able to love and forgive and accept each other. Um, and then that's where we end up. And I just think it's, it's really, really nicely executed.
1: It's so great. It's so great. I mean, down to like Sanders unreadable sign saying "Welcome <laughs> back, Willow." Like, welcome yeah. back. Like, we're we're reconnecting, reestablishing. It's so good.
0: I love this episode. Yeah. It is. It. It's so incredibly good. Um, but I think that maybe now is the time for us to talk about like the standout element, oh, maybe of this episode. It is. There's so much to talk about. So tell me, what were your feelings about Gnarl?
1: Okay. I love Gnarl. I (laughs) love, I do. I love, I mean, I love a fast, creepy thing in the shadows with the little snappy hand motion. Yeah. I mean, that's like (laughs) that little tap tap that Gnarl does when he first shows up with his hand. It's full on dad at a family barbecue with the tongs. It's (laughs) so great. I love it. I love it.
0: It's adorable.
1: It's great. Um, but Camden Toy, who we last saw as one of the gentlemen in Hush, manages yeah. to perform Gnarl through all the Monster of the Week prosthetics to the point that I almost want to call this full-body puppeteering.
0: Yes, yeah, he's unbelievably he good. He is
1: so good. And Camden Toy, by the way, has a fantastic IMDb page. Mm, His roles yep. can be divided into two categories. We're going to go on a tangent <laughs> because I just, i right. like... I'm just grinning like a fool. To fall down so the Camden
0: great. Toy Rabbit Hole, I yeah. did.
1: Okay, but <laughs> check it out. So, mm-hmm. two categories of role. Right on one side we have roles like Albert, Farmer, Mailman, Clint, and mm-hmm. on the other side, the figure, King Nothing, the shape, Lord Menace, <laughs> and my favorite, Tall Clown.
0: Oh my! God. Which, come to
1: think of it. Could be in either category.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I kind of want to back up a minute because the figure and the shape... Like, there's a Mm -hmm. Monster of the Week buddy comedy that needs to exist there.
0: The figure and the shape, I think it absolutely does. But you've got to have somebody with Camden Toys' unbelievable ability for body acting. Yes! For for bringing the physicality to every movement, everything. It's crazy good. It's dancing the whole way through. It is.
1: Oh, it's very, Mm -hmm. very balletic in nature. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Down to his, like... Squatting over willow pose. It's deeply uncomfortable, oh but God. so, so yeah. good. Um mm-hmm. and it's not a stretch to say that Gnarl bears a resemblance to Gollum from the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the biggest pop cultural light bulb that went off for me went off listening to his voice. And mm-hmm. that was the child catcher. Do you know the child mm-hmm. catcher? I
0: don't know. Okay
1: the child catcher is a character in the 1968 film chitty chitty bang bang and okay. arguably one of the scariest villains in quote-unquote family entertainment Interesting. he wears he wears a black hat a long black coat has a long pointed nose and uses candy and a sing-song voice to lure children out to where he can capture and then imprison them Jesus. and this is his job <laughs> this is his job it's <laughs> I mean, he's terrifying. Um, uh-huh. And the child catcher was played by a ballet dancer named mm-hmm. Robert Helpman. And I definitely mm-hmm. see a connection to Gnarl with that kind of full body characterization. And the design of both characters relies pretty heavily on some anti Semitic stereotypes. But mm-hmm. the voice was the biggest aha for me. What is that mm-hmm. voice? That yeah. menacing sing songy high and childlike I know there are plenty of examples of this kind of vocal quality in male yeah. villains. Mm-hmm. And it just lit my brain up because is this a homophobic effeminate man is evil thing? Almost mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. And the childlike thing suggests a link between both quote unquote deviant sexuality and stunted development. The intersectional isms of evil in British and American film and television would be a fantastic graduate level something. I really hope someone has done that deep dive.
0: Oh, I hope so. Yeah. But this voice, Somebody's got a thesis out there. What do you, I mean, why? Yeah. What? It's, it's so crazy good. And it's funny because we had Camden Toy before in Hush, where, of course, he did not make a sound. Right. Yeah. uh, We're going to see him again. He's going to come back as the uber vamp uh, this season. You know, again, not a big talker. Right. (laughs) Um, So this is Camden Toy's like chance to not just own the physical space of his performance, but the vocal space as well. So I would say like, yes, Absolutely, we need to throw an acknowledgement to the homophobic gay coding of monsters in general, and specifically this one. I think you got a strong argument that that is absolutely there. Um, With that said, this is one of the best executed Buffy monsters from a technical standpoint. I mean, because let's not forget, we all remember the snake with arms, (laughs) the rubber thing that (laughs) Buffy beat up in the middle of season five, right? Whatever. Um, This is really. Really good. And it is good in a lot of ways, not just because of the execution of the costume and the acting and everything, Um, but from a filmmaking perspective, the choices that they made. I mean, first of all, yes. Keep your monsters in the shadows. It is the best thing that you can do. Your reader's imagination is going to do so much more for you. The sound effects of the clacking fingernails, the peeling flesh, the snacking, the slurping. It is all so incredibly gross and disgusting. My skin is still crawling. So effective. So good. You know, as a person who tends to look away during the gross parts, that is where these horror movies get me. <laughs> because then I'm listening and what my brain does is so much better than any kind of like or so much better so much more affecting mm-hmm. at, for the for the reader you know of this um, than anything that they can possibly ever do on screen um, so the more that you utilize your your reader leaning and and again I don't know I've, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it here but I've everybody who engages critically with anything I consider a reader so even if you're watching TV or you're playing a video game you're still a reader if you're reading it. But anyway, so your reader who is actively engaged is doing so much of the heavy lifting for you. Um, it makes such an incredible difference. And I absolutely love that. And the thing is that Buffy is a horror show and has been. We've had a lot of monsters, but most of the monsters are actually coded as animals, mm-hmm. not human. Right. Um, even the vampires, like the the standard run of vampires that we just dust in the cold open and never think about again, like the ones that we have not given personhood through Buffy's concern for them or their interest in Buffy. Um, you know, they're just like dogs. They just growl, they try to bite, and then they get dusted, you know? Uh, you know, most of these monsters are covered in latex. Uh they've got terrible practical effects. Um and this one is so beautifully executed. And again, this is something that started, this is, a, there's a divide between Buffy before season seven and Buffy after season seven. And that may be part of the reason why some people don't like season seven is because it doesn't feel like Buffy, but it feels like a grown up version of Buffy. This is when the monsters get a little more real, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, it's a nice. I think Gnarl is a really nice blending of monster of the week monsters that mm-hmm. are more animal in nature, and what we saw with the trio in a way of this like mm-hmm. human monster. Because Gnarl, I mean, he's not a Gnarl or the Gnarl. He's yeah. Gnarl. Like it's he's a just it, Gnarl. Is there just one of him? Like, is he? He's like. <laughs> He's like Yoda. Like, Yoda is a named one of these things. And we don't Mm -hmm. know, is this a species? Is there just one? I mean, yeah, it's kind of wild. So he is both this human monster and a Mm. monster human, almost. He's great. I love him. I enjoy him so much. I mean, problematic
0: elements aside he's problematic elements acknowledged right because that's that's what we do that's better right acknowledged Acknowledged, Right. Because the thing is, like, I I know that a lot of times people have a reaction where they're like, well, you're expecting something that's 20 years old to like live by today's standards. Like, no, I'm not. I don't hold the writers responsible for it. I don't hold the filmmakers responsible for it. We as a culture are responsible for it. This happens because of who we are. Now, when we look at it and acknowledge it, that can allow people who would be harmed by it to acknowledge it, to see that somebody else saw it, too. And set it aside so that they can enjoy how fucking great this monster is. Because this monster is fucking great. Um, it's so. But the oh god, and the child-like voice and the sing-song thing matched up with this all like this sexual devouring of Willow oh that just feels god. so. Oh,
1: it's the hardest. Oh my thing for me to watch on the show yeah like the, i yeah. had i had blocked it out a little bit the peeling oh, yeah. of the skin and the slurping Ugh. i cannot
0: it's just oh god it's so awful it's so good but it's so terrible like it's terrible in a like really well executed way in which your intention is to be that form of terrible you know like yeah. truly terrifying right you know oh. um and of course now we have another Right? Where yeah. they're trying to fight. I mean, in Gone, the Invisifight was ridiculous. Here, it works pretty well because we're focused not on necessarily Buffy fighting something invisible. We cut to that so that we see it from Willow's perspective. But then it's okay. We see Gnarl when Buffy sticks her thumbs in its squishy little eyeballs. So good. Um, we see that. We hear it. We feel it. Uh-huh. Um, it's, God, it's so beautifully beautifully done and i have to say like again everybody knows i don't oddly enough don't like horror don't enjoy this kind of stuff but i can really appreciate and respect when it's well done and i think that this is probably i mean with the exception like maybe the gentleman in hush the best executed monster on buffy in terms of
1: monstrousness and the way that it in terms of
0: just plain effectiveness it works it works you know? yeah it really really does
1: yeah. and i mean mm-hmm. in the and in the harmonizing metaphor space right it's the eyes that yeah destroy yeah, exactly neural. and we're we're dealing with sight as a metaphor for understanding and of course the magic and he because, paralyzes people yeah
0: and you know, preventing them from taking action. Yeah, you know,
1: there's yeah. something there. It's a. I like the idea of a of a monster harmonizing with the bigger metaphor. I think that rather I mean, than being the metaphor, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think mm-hmm. you, I think you, you nailed it with that. And I think that that's also mm-hmm. part of what makes Narl so effective.
0: <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah?
1: Like, it's not the episode is not about him, but he. Is so effective within it that it yeah. works. I, I don't know. There's so much about this episode that works, though. Like all of it works. Yeah. It's just.
0: Oh my god. So it well does. Done. It really does. Okay. So I think that like the next thing I want to talk about because this is definitely a gnarled chaser to make me feel so much better is just to talk about Anya and Willow. Uh, the relationship yes, between please. these two. Oh, my God. It's been so complicated, you know, and it's always pivoted around Xander, pretty much, you know. Yeah. yeah. So they first bumped into each other outside of the magic box. You know, it's not all flowers and sunshine and hey, gee, I'm glad you're back. Like Anya is pissed and Anya's express herself. And Anya is apparently taking one box because it's been months, right? Anya has been taking one box of debris out of the magic box every single day for the past few months, I guess, because she's still clearing all that stuff out. Um, And so we have that, that wonderful moment, too. And when Anya's like, "Okay, well, if I'm not upsetting you with being mean to you, then I guess I'll just sit and we'll have a chat and it'll be fine. You know, and that's like absolutely on your branded level of forgiveness. You know, it's just like, well, I can't hurt you or take vengeance on you. So I guess I'll just sit and talk, you know? Yeah. Um, But then Willow goes to Anya's apartment and Anya helps her with that spell. And, you know, let's not forget it's Willow's spells that destroyed Anya's workplace. You know, Um, this is not the first time that we've seen them do a spell together. This is how Doppelgangland happened, right, where it was a reversal, where Anya was having Willow help her. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is, again, like, I love people who work well together. And that's the two of them. They do work very well together, as we saw in Triangle, even when they were mad at each other, they were able to team up and, you know, defeat the troll, um, You know, I love Anya's, you know, talking to Willow about her experience with the vengeance, you know, yeah. causing pain sounds really cool. But as it turns out, it's really, really upsetting. upsetting. Oh, She's funny. processing her identity with Willow. Um, we're seeing her growth that being human in the way that she was human. Like, I don't think she's ever been human post demon. She was human. She was human for 18, 20 years. Then she did the vengeance spell to Hoffman brought her into the fold. And she's been a demon for all this time. Then she was human again. And so she experienced her humanity in a new way, you know, Um, and then going back to being a demon after that. It's like that whole thing. You can't go home again. Mm -hmm. And I I love the call out. It did get a little sexy, didn't it? Like I love all of that. It's so
1: good. It's so Mm -hmm. good. Anya and Willow. It just it makes me so Mm -hmm. happy. And the anya willow three beat in this episode is just phenomenal it's not just that we get the two of them together being excellent we get a true three beat and it's just delightful starting with anya calling willow out on her nonsense at the magic Mm -hmm. box i love it i remember when i remember the last time you said that about being fine And then you feel really responsible. You are really responsible. It's so good. And then Willow it accepts it. And I find that mm-hmm. really interesting. She's not ready to reconnect with her friends, but she can hear mm-hmm. about the harm she caused from Anya. And I think yeah. it's because Anya gets it. Mm-hmm. Right? Anya, we we reveal this slowly through this Anya-Willow relationship mm-hmm. three beat, but they come to understand each other and acknowledge that they understand each other in this really interesting way. You know, they go on to talk kind of clumsily about everything that's going on in an exchange that is so well-written and so Mm well-performed that it just delights me, down to the detail of Willow fiddling with the skull and then casually putting it back when Anya notices that she's, you know, (laughs) handling the magic items. And then the moment when Willow asks spikes what in the what meant? and Anya replies insane base feels like the show making fun of itself a little for it's sometimes overly written dialogue
0: absolutely and I appreciate yes.
1: that so much um mm-hmm. but as we get into Anya and Willow Beat 2 at Anya's apartment I mean mm-hmm. first of all just peak Anya as far as I'm concerned oh, you know, absolutely come in enjoy my personal space <laughs> But they they start off accusing each other of skinning the teenager at the I construction know. site. And their shared, was it you? No, is so, so good. It's so
0: good. But what mm-hmm. I love
1: most about this mirroring is that it enables them to see and understand each other and to feel understood finally. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nice. They're talking to each other about their own experiences and seeing the other's experience in... Their experience. That was the word experience a lot of times. But, you know, it is. this is a thing that happens. I tell you a story about something that happened to me and it hasn't happened to you, but you have something that relates to that. And so share. Yeah, and
0: it is being seen. Yeah. I mean, in an episode that is about being afraid to be seen, these two are freely seeing each other. Yeah. And I love that.
1: It's great. It's great. And when did you get all insightful? And Anya says, I'm surprisingly sensitive. (laughs) It's just just like, actually, actually, she Uh is. She, oh, she is. Like in her own.
0: And perceptive. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. and then, of course, they do their their. This isn't going to get all sexy, is it, Spell? I just love that we've seen the spell before. It's not mm-hmm. just that they have done a spell together before; we have seen this spell before. This
0: and specific. Anya spell, sees yeah. herself
1: on the light map. <laughs> hey, look! That's me. Hello. <laughs> She's just. It's so good. I'm just obsessed. <laughs> I'm. I would. Mm-hmm. I would talk about this scene for an hour. Um, yeah, seriously. But by the end. When Willow's saying, that's why you teleport over there real quick, like a bunt, uh, real quick. Okay. <laughs> Remembering that Anya is afraid of bunnies and not saying bunny uh-huh. is one of the many things I love about Willow. Mm-hmm. And also a really nice indication of where they are with each other, relationship-wise. Well, wise. there was a time when Willow
0: would have deliberately
1: said bunny exactly. because she
0: bothered Anya. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And then, of course, Anya says, you know, explains teleporting isn't a right. Mm. It's a privilege. And Willow's able to sympathize. Mm. That must be hard. It must be hard not to be able to use your magic thing that you're really good at. Yeah. Because of Mm -hmm. these outside structures. It's so good. It's so, so good. I love them. I love them understanding each other. And then beat three is Anya coming to Willow's aid in the cave. And reassuring Willow that she's not alone. Her friends are there, even though she can't see them. Mm -hmm. Which is a great moment for Anya, taking care of Willow. And then later when she tells Xander, stand back, you're getting your feet in her. (laughs) Which is really enjoyable. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's, this is Anya as caretaker for a person in peril. Mm -hmm. Which we've seen before, right? Anya teleported back to the magic box to stay with Giles while he was dying. And now she's going Mm -hmm. to stay with Willow while she's badly hurt, unless things get really dire and then Anya's going to run. But still, (laughs) Anya can dish out the torment, but she can also sit with it, which I appreciate so much. There's so much. there's, There's so much to Anya that we get to see through this relationship three beat with Willow it just makes mm-hmm. me i mean it makes me love Anya more it makes me love Willow more it's yeah. so good it it's so good so much delight just just <laughs> chock full of delight
0: for me it is it's so it's a complex relationship um handled in a way that that kind of in just these scenes sort of shines a light on everything that willow and anya are it's so incredibly beautifully written and i love that i can revisit anya and willow in this episode a million times and love it every single time um also which will come as a surprise to no one (laughs) I, i enjoy the spike in this episode. I think it's really fun. Um, He appears in two scenes. He's fantastic in both. Um, And he plays two versions of one scene, you know, one with Willow and one with Buffy and Xander. Um, And of course, his insanity is a good cover for when everybody sees him talking to, apparently, no one, you know. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's so much fun, like, folding the conceit of the episode within the larger season story, you know, because we're getting a little bit more from Spike. Although he's kind of reverting back to where he was it feels it feels a little weird to have him back in the basement after having been out of the basement um and not being fundamentally different for having been out
1: yeah yeah that is a that's an odd decision for spike um yeah although i like this version of spike and the way he's grappling with his emotions and memories like his his nonsense seems to make more sense it seems like yes. he's remembering everything he's ever known and mm-hmm. everything he's ever experienced all at once from like understanding that you need authorization to be in a place and then wanting yeah. to rhyme something for buffy but also, yeah. you know, it's like I see these little inklings of everyone who Spike has ever been in the things mm-hmm. that he says, which I really oh, yeah. enjoy. Well, I mean the
0: Oh yeah. The, the reference to what's a word for glowing has to rhyme is of course going back to Effulgent in his uh his terrible poem that he wrote for Cecily. Um, you know, he is he's in um this uh, it's kind of a, a liminal magical space that he lives in, where he can see all, he can connect with everybody, um, and he can see the truth. You know, button button, somebody's got the button. <laughs> it's on, my money's on the witch. You know, um, the thing about this, like, I love this. I love him in the basement. I love him wrestling with you know the recent acquiring of his soul. You mm-hmm. know, somewhat damaged um, for lack of use. You know, um, uh, there's something about though him able to step out last week for Beneath You, which is um, a terrible episode and and not really worthy of it anyway. Um, and then just suddenly being set back. And, you know, I guess stabbing a human triggering a mind grain was going to set his progress back. Like I get that. And as someone who has absolutely experienced the one step forward, two steps back mental health <laughs> mamba, like I get that too. But from a narrative perspective, it feels like a reset, um, which is, kind of a cheat it's like you know set him back put him somewhere different with issues and behavior that have been altered because of his experience because of the one step forward you know Mm -hmm. that's fine that's fair enough you know but it feels to me like his mental health is something that we are casually putting on and taking off at our convenience kind of like a sexy black leather duster Mm, for a metaphor that I just pulled out of nowhere um so um so I find that interesting I like I, I mean, I like the performance. I like what he's doing. I like that they're, you know, in the basement that he's he's still struggling with the elements that are there. You know, they're not authorized like he's talking about this greater uh, story that's going to be happening, you know, throughout the season. And he's reconnecting us to that greater story. But it just, it, it's just it's just a minor point that it's like, OK, so we pull him out because we want to have a moment with him, you know, uh, acting like he's he's just playing old Spike the way that he used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm just a guy with his ear to the ground, you know, um, and then throw him back in without him being changed at all for the experience of having been out. Just feels like a little a little bit like a cheat. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. As far as criticisms go of this episode, that is the nittiest of picks. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I love, um, yeah. I,
1: but the performance. See, I would, I would be more Ugh, bothered by it, except the performance so is so good. When Willow it says is. I can't find Buffy and Xander, and we see Spike raise an eyebrow and then look over to where uh-huh. they're standing, as he's like, "Okay, all right, I got it." Even in James his, Marsters,
0: yeah, killed it. Killed it. James Marsters has murdered as much of as Spike, but it's just murdering these scenes that he's in. It's
1: so so good. freaking good. It's so good, <laughs> and I appreciate the Spike knows he's cognitively impaired. Yeah, <laughs> I, love, yeah. I love. He's it. aware. I'm insane, mm-hmm. you know. Regarding Xander, I'm insane. <laughs> What's his excuse? It's just it shouldn't be so funny, and yet mm-hmm. I I yes. like it. I like it. I
0: know. It's just it's so incredibly good. Um, Another thing I love in this episode, which is not, you know, wanting for things to love is Dawn. Um, She is incredible. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, Giles is gone right? So we need a new world building exposition fairy to explain the demons and the rules and do the research. And I love that we gave this role to Dawn, along with her getting a little bit of the Cordelia, you know, being the one to to say the thing that nobody else wants to say, you know, tact is just not saying true stuff. Yep. I'll pass. She's getting some of that, you know. Um, I also like, you know, everybody knows I am a sucker for the romance, the love story between a person and their work, you know. I love the way Dawn is both thrilled about her discovery and right Buffy and Xander yes. are trying to figure out if it's Willow they're questioning themselves but Dawn is like nope this is your dude right yep. um, I love she's like "Cause she didn't say pool of lead she's so excited about it um, and then there's this whole thing where they're wandering through the forest and she's like I cannot tell you how seen I feel in Dawn because anybody who's heard me go off about like a particular story I'm sure there's tons of stuff like this you know procedures we can use that don't have Involved magic spells, just good solid detective work, and we can develop a database of tooth impressions and demon skin samples, and I can wear high heels more often. Like that. That is a very like I, f- I felt that monologue. That was me in a nutshell. Everybody loves
1: a slender ankle. Like,
0: Everybody loves a slender ankle.
1: So good. Dawn wanting to have a demon database and and Tooth impressions and skin samples. Yes. Like yes, please, Dawn, the eager researcher. Oh my mm-hmm. god, oh my god! It's <laughs> one of my absolute <laughs> favorite lines. Is her saying he laps up the blood? You could say it's like his natural <laughs> beverage. <laughs> Poor Xander, you're terrifying. Yes. <laughs> right, I love that. She's so she is so delighted. She has found the information. Mm-hmm. She's going to share the information. And I love that she's right.
0: And she's excited about it. I love that she's excited. She's not grossed out. Yeah. She's like, this is so cool. You know, I love it.
1: Which is a little, that's a little character beat turn for Dawn that happened Mm -hmm. off screen. Because it was Mm -hmm. previously Dawn getting into research and going, ooh, you know, not so sure she wanted to. That's
0: not a horn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) It's a funny place for a horn. Um, she's she's turned a corner, and now she's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's make with the demon skin samples." What? Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. I love it. I love her enthusiasm. I love the
1: enthusiasm. And my absolute favorite thing about Dawn in this episode is how wise she is. Mm-hmm. Not just research mode Dawn, but interpersonal relationship mode Dawn. Yeah. Dawn observes that Giles is blaming himself. The Scoobies are blaming themselves. Is anyone going to blame Willow? Mm -hmm. And what I love is that she's talking not about Willow messed up. Willow was a bad guy. But Willow didn't ask for help. Mm -hmm. Asking for help when you need it is huge. And asking for the connection you need is huge, too. And Dawn knows it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it so much. I love Dawn being the cautiously optimistic one, but also yeah. the Wait a minute. She didn't finish being not evil. Like why are we not exactly. talking about this person? <laughs> She's so on top of so many things.
0: Uh-huh. Dawn yeah. is amazing. Dawn is incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, And one of the things is like, you know, there's so much, I have so much enthusiasm for so many different elements of this episode. And as I'm writing all of my notes, I I went through all the characters and I was like, I realized that once again, which has become something that's been happening a lot through season six, um, you know, since the end of season five is I found myself, you know, getting the end of my notes and not having written anything about Buffy in her show, you know, yeah um and I think you know this is a willow centric episode um and how we end a story tells us again, of course, what it's about what it means. We end it with Buffy and Willow reconnecting, yeah right with Buffy giving her time and her literal life energy to the woman she loves most in the world. I love this moment. it's one of my favorite moments, again, not just of the season um or the episode or the season, but the series, like that moment, this episode it's about willow it's not buffy's story you know Mm. but she and buffy are so buffy is so central to willow's experience and is is you know like i think they are the love of each other's lives you know and i i love the power of feminine friendship in this moment uh it's just two people loving each other completely and um You know, we often think of love stories as romances. I've gone on about that before. Why that's not, it doesn't have to be like a sexual romantic love for it to be an incredible love story. And this is just an incredible love story. The Willow Buffy story centers on the love and I adore it.
1: It's really, really excellent. And there's a tiny detail that I love so much, which is when they hold hands at the end. Oh, God. And Buffy is giving her strength to Willow to heal I mean, first of all, oh my heart, mm-hmm. but the this tiny little detail is that their hands are in lead follow positions for dance, and Buffy's leading, mm-hmm. and it's really, oh. really dear, and just... Uh, I, l- uh, I love it. It's I, so sweet. The friendship so the healing sweet. dance. And
0: uh, okay. I know. Oh my heart. Oh, my my heart. Heart. Oh, heart. Um, all right. So we got a couple of minor notes in here yeah. uh to talk about like little things under our et cetera section of our note-taking document. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: This so this spell in this last scene with mm-hmm. Buffy, we find out that This was a spell that Willow did accidentally, because Mm -hmm. that's apparently part of how her powers can work now. Um, But it's interesting to me that everyone who can see Willow and her friends is a demon. Anya, Spike, and Gnarl. And I wonder if that's just a coincidence, because... Willow isn't worried about what any of them think of her, or is it that this particular magic doesn't affect demons because this is about a human mm. relationship thing? I mean, we know yeah. Gnarl is immune to magic, but Anya and Spike mm-hmm. aren't immune to magic, but they're mm-hmm. also not really Willow's friends.
0: <laughs> so they're not the
1: people she's concerned yeah. with. Yeah. But I do mm-hmm. wonder, I wonder if this is a human, because it's a human relationship metaphor Mm -hmm. if it's a human specific spell. And I mean, ultimately, the answer is it doesn't matter because Willow is concerned Mm -hmm. about these particular people seeing her and understanding her and taking her back. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was it's interesting to me that we never interact with anyone else Mm -hmm. who might be able to say what's going on here, how these people are able to be in the same place at the same time and not exist for one another
0: yeah willow bounces from demon to demon to demon but anya's the one she bounces to twice so i'm just saying yeah. i'm just gonna put that there <laughs> <laughs> um i also noticed in this episode something that just felt weird to me was we have a preponderance of dumb xander jokes in this one. And it just seemed a little bit off. Uh, we're constantly making fun of how stupid Xander is, which is not a line that we've taken in the past. Not for
1: a while, anyway. I mean, yeah, we also have some really good Xander, though. You mm-hmm. know, what do you yeah. say? What do you say to someone in this situation? I'm gonna say hi, Willow. But of I course, know. that comes on the heels of Dumb Xander made a sign she can't
0: read. She can't read. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And yeah. And then Xander not getting it, like, you know, Buffy says something that would be mildly insulting to Xander. Xander's like, what? what? You know, about his intelligence, no less, you know. So it is a direct hit, you know. Um, And I mean, the thing is, agreed, like Xander's awesome. Season seven Xander is my favorite Xander. I love him in this season. It just seems weird that, like, now. While he's great, we're taking shots at him about his intelligence. Is uh, that a heart? It thing? just felt a little weird.
1: Is that Alexander? Is the heart, and in order to establish him as the heart of the group, we have to dumb him down because you can't be Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I can't be a smart heart. I mean, honestly, I think it it might just be a little bit of Espensonian delight. I think Jane Espenson might like just having a good time. Probably. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but it is. It's like all right, okay. Xander's going to be the like, Mm -hmm. you know, loving, caring, accepting, not non judgmental one, but also. Right. what
0: <laughs> also yeah like just absolutely not getting it um it you know it was funny it was cute it's espensonian it's you know like i don't have a problem with it necessarily it just seemed like a weird yeah. a weird note to me um but uh, yeah. So um, what's funny is that I just talked about this episode recently on um, Slayer Fest 98, um, which was loads and loads of fun. I had a great time. I highly recommend if you haven't listened to it that everybody go out and listen to it. Um, it's a great show. Um, but I mean it, it was funny because one of the episodes that they ask on that show is you know let's talk about the the costumes right Yeah. which is something I usually don't do I usually leave that to you because you're brilliant you see things <laughs> that I would never ever see um, and costuming is just not where my brain goes my brain goes immediately to the story elements to what happens rather than how it looks um, but it was but I had a lot of fun when asked a direct question because usually it's the question i save for you and then i let you go off on it and do all this brilliant analysis um but here's the thing they asked me this question and when they did like i was i saw it in the notes you know and they were like i'm going to ask you this question i was like all right so i started thinking about it and then i think that you have been a good influence on me because i had some really fun kind of insights in this i want to share that um It's going to be the same thing I said on that episode. So if you've seen it, you know, uh, I'll go fast. Um, (laughs) But I was talking a lot about about the use of light and shadow that we have Willow's tough dark leather jacket over this floofy white poet's shirt underneath, you know, which to me I was thinking maybe might be Willow's true self. Like her heart is all light and floofy, Mm -hmm. you know, but she's also really guarded in this episode. She's afraid. She's got this shadowy leather that's covering her light, covering her floofy heart and putting distance and protection, a layer of protection between her and the people that she's, you know, like most concerned about. Um, And also in the magic scene with Anya, the Shadow leather protective exterior comes off. She does not care as deeply about Anya. So, Anya's opinion of her doesn't have the power to hurt her. So, with Anya, she can put away her armor um and it's with Anya that she's actually the most present and emotionally available all that must be really hard for you right Mm -hmm. um and then she's got the shadow leather protective barrier on with Gnarl but it doesn't do her any good he's able to get to her vulnerable spaces He is literally eating from her belly you know yeah um and then in the cave reunion scene both Buffy and Willow are wearing leather coats but Xander is not Xander wasn't protecting himself from how deeply he loved Willow, but both Willow and Buffy were protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. And then in the final scene, Willow's in light-colored flannel pajamas. Buffy's wearing a white tank top. So thin you can practically see through it. They're both soft and floofy. And then they hold hands and heel together. And I love it so much. And I don't know that I would have been able to, like, make this run at the meaning of costumes here, if it wasn't for your influence, Noelle. So thank you very much. And when I was done, everybody was like, oh, my God, that was really good. I was like, well, thank Noelle to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I love that read. I learned it. I I learned it from you, honey. (laughs)
1: I love that. Well, and I especially love the combination of the leather jacket with the more romantic Mm -hmm. blouse underneath for Willow because she is both of those things, right? She is soft and romantic and poetic but she's also this hardened witch badass and yeah and it works for her (laughs) it does it works for for her but yeah i the the leather coat as protection i think is excellent and mm-hmm. we haven't seen Spike in a leather coat in
0: a while. Just not in a while. Just put He's that an there. unprotected. Yeah, he is unprotected. Yeah. I really like it. All right, so Noel, what's your favorite part? Oh my
1: god, it is really hard to pick a favorite part of this episode. But I yeah. think if I if I have to narrow it down to a favorite part, it's Willow and Anya and the Demon Locator <laughs> spell.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the carpet. So I good. didn't even talk about the, the burning of the carpet, which is. We talked about the
1: carpet. Not. Yeah, we talked about the carpet, and it's not quite <laughs> an echo of. Mm-hmm. I believe those chicken feet are mine <laughs> from Tumble <I know>. <laughs> land <laughs> But the like indignant yes mm, post
0: spell. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love those two so much. That's so so incredibly good. What
1: about you? What's your favorite part?
0: Oh, Willow and Buffy sitting on the the bed at the end, Uh, Buffy lending her strength to Willow, the both of them healing, you know, because even though Buffy doesn't have a physical thing to heal, there's an emotional thing to heal and, and healing through that love that they have for each other like I I just think it's so incredibly beautiful I love a good love story um it's wonderful and the the close second is is Spike in the basement I you know because Spike (laughs) because Spike
1: If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter. Follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag Still
0: Pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Stephania, Shelley, Rose, Jonathan, Alice, Kristen, Sarah, Christina, Erica, and Abigail. And this week's special message for our Power Producers... As it turns out, teleporting isn't a right. It's a privilege.
1: To find out how you too can support Chiprish Media, visit patreon.com slash Chiprish. Other ways to show your support. Write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or help us do a spell, but only if it's not difficult or time-consuming.
0: We will be back next time with Help, the fourth episode of Season 7. Until then, something horrible killed a boy. Took his skin right off. Was Was it you? you? No! No!